Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome. Thank you very much for showing up on this wonderful day. Um, I'm Fazia Costi, and I'm your host today. Today, we're going to talk about uh, a, a topic that has to do with children and their transition uh, from high school. So basically, we're going to talk about how parents can prepare themselves to optimize their child's transition from high school to whatever the next step is. And my guest today is Eric Jorgensen, and he's going to talk to us about how he helps people with that process. Uh, so most of you have probably heard some version of uh, there is a services cliff that your kids will drop off of after high school. While this can be true, there are things you can and should do to help ease the transition for your child. Nothing's guaranteed, but taking these steps will help at least get you into the mindset that you'll need to overcome these obstacles. So Eric Jorgensen is the founder of True North Disability Planning the go-to resource for families who have children with intellectual developmental disabilities and the professionals who serve them. He is the host of the ABCs of Disability Planning. It's a podcast that introduces its listeners to organizations and resources that they may have never heard of or weren't sure how to use. And he is the author of Waypoints, a monthly deep dive into disability planning topics. Widowed in 2012, the same year he retired from the Navy, Eric knows firsthand how challenging it can be to navigate the maze of benefits, resources, and services available to those with an intellectual and or developmental disability because his son has both. In the beginning, Eric looked for someone who could tell him what he had to do, when he had to have it done by, and how to get it done but it didn't seem like that person or company existed. So he did what many of you are doing. He did his best to make it work with what was available to him. Beating cancer in 2020 was his last straw, pushing him to incorporate his business and change the disability planning landscape. So welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you, Fazia. Well, I, I have to say, you know, since I've met you, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I've learned a lot from you. I'm really looking forward to your interview today. I know you have a wealth of knowledge to share with our listeners. And I, I once again want to thank you for, for your willingness to share that information with, with people. Um, I think you are very giving, and, and that is something we desperately need in this world. So thank you for that. So let's start off with who who is Eric Jorgensen? <laughs> Tell, tell us your story. How did, how did you get here? <laughs> it's, it's been a journey, Fuzzy, and I, I think that's the case for most people, right? I mean, absolutely, especially in the disability space. The ones I come across, um, most of them have a personal connection. I'm, I'm certainly no different. Hopefully nobody's had uh, yeah, as rocky of a road as I feel I've had sometimes. Um, you know, as you read in the bio, I was widowed in 2012 and what I didn't share in the bio is prior to being widowed, I, I was a geographical bachelor. So for five years, I would 
lived somewhere else. I lived in Virginia for three years while my life, my wife and kid lived in Connecticut. And then I moved to, I moved to Cuba, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, you know, or as Rumsfeld said, the least worst place. Um, you know, I spent two years there and I would come home every three or four months for two to three weeks and then leave again, never really getting too involved in the, what my wife did. I just knew that, you know, the trains were running on time, everything got done. And, in her, in a lot of ways, it was easier if I didn't get involved because she had a routine. Right. And that, again, I don't think that's uncommon. I think many households have very clear delegation of duties. You know, so-and-so goes to work, maybe it's whichever spouse it is goes to work. The other spouse might be a stay at home and taking care of everything else. The difference for me was my wife, you know, um, my wife got sick and died and that wasn't in the plan. Um, not that any of us planned for that, but yeah, I'm I sorry to have, hear that. Thanks. I, I didn't have a clue what to do. And I, when I'm asking for questions, I'm asking for help. I get a lot of wishy-washy. Well, you could do this. Maybe you think about doing that or this might help. And speaking for myself, I'm, I'm a pretty, um, I guess, aggressive or abrasive might be, might be the term. But I'm, I'm very go through it obstacle instead of around it kind of guy. Yeah. Well, I, I think of you as assertive. I wouldn't call you abrasive. I've, I've never, I've never thought of you as abrasive. I do think of you as assertive, but I think that's a good skill to have. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I like that term better. Um, so what I was looking for was, was somebody to say, look, this is what you have to do. Here's who you have to talk to. Here's some keywords, tricky phrases. Even if they don't know all the answers, just say, look, call this person. It'll get you in the right direction. But I wasn't getting that. It was incredibly frustrating. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to help other families like, like me. So they, no one else had to deal with what I was dealing with. So I went into financial services and I did that for, you know, eight years. You know, 2012 was when I retired, started working for a firm in 20, you know, late 2020 early, or 2012, early 2013. Bounced around through a bunch of different financial services firms because it just wasn't scratching the itch. I, I knew I wanted to give advice. I knew I wanted to help solve problems. And what I've learned is I don't want to manage money. I don't want to sell insurance. I, I see the value in both of those. I understand the importance of financial planning, but it doesn't address the bigger thing, the bigger problem I see, which is how does all of this tie together? Who's telling us how Medicaid waivers work? Who's even telling us what a Medicaid waiver is? Who's telling us when to how to use an able account with a special needs trust instead of just telling us to get one. You know, I, I couldn't find any of that. And again, as you mentioned, I had cancer. The the cancer diagnosis was a wake-up call because the dermatologist at the time I was being treated by the VA. Uh, and I've I've always been happy with the VA treatments. Um, the doctors, I know, I know they're depending where you are in the country, the VA centers have some some bad marks. Um like anywhere else, but the, I was very happy with the doctors and the doctor told me, we don't know that we can. So it was, a, I, what they, what I, what I had was a, a nodular melanoma on my face. It was underneath my left eye. And they said, we're not sure that if you wait for us to treat you, that you're going to make it. Um, meaning we don't know that we'll get you in before the melanoma kills you. And that was scary. You know, thankfully, because I retired from Navy, I I'm, I'm have Hopkins as a backup in insurance. I ended up, so I went through Hopkins. Long story short, 
they removed the melanoma along with the left side of my face. You know, they cut from underneath my eyelid to the bottom of, you know, if you drew a line from your left ear to the bottom of your lip, everything in between there was removed. But I didn't need chemo, didn't need radiation. So it's a win in my book. You know, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Um, And while I was recovering, I just, I really had some time to do some self-reflection of why am I still chasing this financial services dream, not dream, but this, this, you know, like, like a greyhound at a track chasing that mechanical rabbit, right? Like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm having the same effect. I'm not getting what I want done. It's, It's really not helping the families I know that need to be helped. The people like I was when I was active duty military, I had, you know, a, a middle, middle class income supporting two households because I was living somewhere, you know, my wife and I were living separately. That's not what a financial advisor is typically working with. Right. You know, um, and then you, then I was thinking about all the, the people I served with, the minorities and the, you know, people of color that I served with and I, and how much more challenging it was for them sometimes. And as I was doing the studies and reading about how, you know, children who are black are diagnosed two to three years later than, than, you know, people of color are diagnosed later with autism and just the health outcomes tend to be worse. Like this is ridiculous. So Mm -hmm. it really flared up my, I have a a very, I call it an overinflated sense of justice. Like I just want to right this particular wrong. And I was done trying to do that through a financial services lens. So I went out on my own. I said, you know what? There, there's no time like the present. I'm just going to, you know, sink or swim. But this, this is the, this is the hill I'm going to take, and I'm, I'm going to own it. Um, and I did. I went out, and I've really made my focus the world of intellectual development disabilities. I'm not trying to be an expert in every disability. I just, I really want to know what is out there for families who have either children or individuals themselves who are moderately to severely impacted by their disability, intellectual development, disability, you know, Down syndrome, autism, some of these chromosomal deletions, cerebral palsy, things like that. And that's where I, that's what I've been doing. Wow. Well, you know, you said you weren't sure, like when you were in the financial industry, what you were doing there, but I am a firm believer. I have a theory that everything that we do builds on something that we did before and it all culminates into what you're meant to do, which is, I think, this. You really help a lot of people doing this. <laughs> and I think that is, to me, in, in my, from my perspective, where you're meant to be because no one else is doing this. And that, yeah, that's impressive. And I think it's, it's such an important thing because I see so many of my clients who struggle and, you know, I, I, I make referrals to, you know, either attorneys or, um, different therapists, but now I have somebody else I can refer to that might be able to guide them, or at least, you know, as you shift your business and have it become more, you know, compact and in a nice little neat package, it'll help more people. And that's, that's a really nice thing to, to offer the world. So, yeah. Um, Let's, let's backtrack a little bit. And we talked about services cliffs. What is a services cliff? Sure. So the service cliff that I'm referring to, when you have a child who's in school, they are protected to, um, to have a free and appropriate public education. 
That is, by law, you are supposed to get whatever it takes to get an education to meet the uh, whatever your state's education criteria is. Right. And that means if you need speech therapy, then the school will provide you so many hours of speech therapy. If you need physical therapy, whatever those services are that you need to get that education, it will be paid for to some degree by the state. It may not be to the extent that you want it, but it'll be right. to the extent that the state feels your child needs to get to meet your educational outcomes on the IEP or 504. Once you leave high school, there's nothing guaranteed in terms of supports or services. And many families have children who need support with um, independent living skills. How is their child going to live and or work independently when they leave high school. So this is where the intellectual development and disability waiver comes in. Every state has what's, what's called a home and community-based services waiver that provides for vocational support, personal support, community, community living support, and residential support. But to get those supports, you have to meet certain wickets to qualify. So that's that cliff. It's hey, we have everything given to us up until, you know, senior year in high school graduation or, right. you know, aging out at 21, 22, 26 in Michigan. But once you leave high school, there's nothing guaranteed anymore. And you really don't know, especially if you haven't done any planning, what's going to happen after you, after you walk across the, the you know, walk across the stage or, or whatever your program is when you when you leave high school there's mm -hmm. you have no idea what's coming wow so what do parents do or what can they do to help their child prepare the the first thing i want parents doing is registering for their waiver uh and well i guess the first thing would be understanding that their state has these waivers you know i didn't know about it until after my wife had died and you know Maybe somebody had talked to us about it in the IEP, but I don't really remember it being a focus of discussion. It really didn't come up until my son had already started transition, which in most states is going to be age 14 or 15. And to me, that's really the, the wrong time because it doesn't give you a lot of room to process all of the things that are going on, all of the changes. I mean, think about the changes that happen with your kid just going through puberty and, and how challenging that can be. Yes. I, mean, <laughs> I have a couple of kids. <laughs> right. No, I, I hear you. You know, and, and so I want people to look for their, their state waiver as soon as they get a diagnosis. If your kid's two, three years old, see, you know, sign up for the waiver um, or at least understand what the waiver requirements are, because some states have requirements where to receive supports, your child has to have an intellectual disability, which is an IQ lower than 69, some other benchmarks. Um well, it's important to know that, especially if you're thinking about moving to a different state. Let's say, hey, I'm in this state and these are the supports I'm getting, you know, but you don't know that you're the reason you're getting those supports is because you're part of a, what's called a Katie Beckett waiver. You know, you had a case manager who signed you up and got you on these, got you all these supports from a Katie Beckett waiver. If you move to another state that doesn't have the Katie Beckett waiver, you're losing all those supports. Or if you're looking at moving to another state and you want to wait till your child leaves high school, you know, do your homework before you don't just say, oh, well, I'm going to leave and I'll worry about it later. Do your homework. And, and what, what waiver does this state have versus 
let's say Connecticut versus Massachusetts. I mean, they're, they're, they share a border, but they couldn't be more different with regards to Medicaid, what's available. So I really want parents, as soon as they get that diagnosis, to look up and find what, the, what Medicaid waiver is available in their state. Uh, and if they Google Medicaid waivers in their state, they can usually get a, a fair idea. Some, some states are a lot better than others. You know, Massachusetts, for example, has a very good program to help families get on mass health and get taken care of. Connecticut, their, their Medicaid is called Husky, and it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to navigate. Um, but it, it's still worth looking into to say, okay, my child got, just got diagnosis of X. What do I need to do? And I want to clarify, an IEP diagnosis is not the same as a medical diagnosis, and you need the medical diagnosis to get services from the, from, from the Medicaid waiver. A lot of people will have you know, their IEP code. I'm, I'm not an education expert, so I, I, I don't think you get a diagnosis for the IEP. I think it's just a code. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm in the field of education, but I don't really deal with IEPs. I don't sit in on IEPs. I do know that in order to get an IEP, you have to have a diagnosis. Right. But you could get a diagnosis like PDD-NOS, right? Pervasive development yes, disability, yes. not otherwise specified. Yes, I think so. But I'm not an expert in that either. I, I just, I just, I don't create the IEPs. I just work with them on the other end. So it's funny how there's certain things that you deal with every day, but you may not know the full story. I should right. go look into that. You know, I, I think that leads me to my next question is like, where do people go to find this information? I mean, you're, you're compiling it all, but you still, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about where your business is going and what direction it's going. Um, where can someone go to find this information? Because every state is different. Every state has their own bit of information every i mean you're you're teaching me things that i didn't know and i've been in this field for a very long time so i wish i could say just go to the state's website um i wish you could too but we all know that's not true <laughs> it's there's it is there fazia if you go to the state website and you look hard enough you can find it so you um, have to really nav- know how to navigate the website okay because I've, I've built roadmaps for all 50 states in D.C. that you can buy on my website. And they, they map out everything you need to do to transition. Okay, so if somebody that, wanted that roadmap, they could go to your website and purchase that. Yes. Okay, how much does that cost? $53.73. Okay, that's a steal. That, that saves you hours and hours and hours of research. So if you're interested in doing that, um, Eric's website is truenorthdisabilityplanning.com. Right. And then at the top of the page, you'll see a little roadmaps tab. It'll take you to the roadmaps and they're broken down alphabetically by state. Perfect. Okay. I, I think that is, is incredibly valuable that you've actually broken this down and that somebody can go get that roadmap for their particular state. Or if they're moving, that's a really valuable thing. If they're a military family or yep. a family that just moves a lot, I don't know. You know, uh, apparently I'm one of those because I've moved three <laughs> times a <laughs> But that's a very valuable piece of information. Yeah. And I mean, I hear it all the time, Fazia, about families saying, well, I want to move, but I'm waiting until my child finishes high school. In many cases, that's like the worst time you can move for a child yeah. that has a disability. I totally get one. Sure. You keep your kid in high school, friends. But if you have a child with a disability, 
you are actually doing yourself a disservice because you're making it that much harder to get services, potentially, mm-hmm. depending on what state you move to. Right. Um, you know, again, you know, example, Arizona is much better than Virginia when yeah. it comes to Medicaid waivers. Um, but you wouldn't know it, right? I mean, on, on the surface, Virginia seems like a very wealthy state. But they're not? Well, they're wealthy. They're just not putting the money to... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's all about that money, that allocation is really what's important. Where does your money go? Yeah. So I, I think this is awesome. Finding that uh, roadmap, I think, is going to be a really nice place to start for parents. And I think it's invaluable, you know, that you've done the work. You've done all the hard work. What What other steps do you recommend parents take when they're navigating this difficult situation with their kids? I like for for parents to build a team on, on my podcast. I heard it several times from different guests who are also parents in addition to whatever business they have. And the recurring theme is we couldn't have done it if we were by ourselves, building that team of trusted professionals, that team of friends and family, and just having those, those individuals like yourself that you can lean on and say, okay, I'm stuck. You know, I'm not looking for an answer right now. Maybe all I want to do is just gripe about how miserable this whole circumstance is, you know, or, hey, I'm stuck. I don't need a, I don't need somebody to, you know, um, I just want somebody to tell me this is, this is how you get beyond this hump. Right. And that's where, that's where social media in some cases can come, come in handy. I'm not a huge fan of social media. We've had that discussion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan either, but it does have its place. It does. And, and I mean, there are some amazing groups out there yeah. that are incredibly supportive. Um, you know, and, and the coaching, you know, um, your coaching is incredibly important too. You know, I've, I've given your name to a couple people because I, I most recently had an advisor reached out to me. She was a financial advisor and her clients were looking for help for their son who has a job had gone to college, wants to be a journalist. And the parents um, were worried and they wanted, thought they had to, they thought they should be looking into getting him on SSI. And I was of the opinion, well, have, have you talked to your, have you talked to the son about it? He's an adult. You're not his legal guardian, meaning he's, he's seemingly competent to make his own decisions. He's gone to school. He's gone to college. Even if he didn't finish college, he's he's actually, you know, that's a, quite the accomplishment. Right. Because people without disabilities don't finish college. Right. Uh, you know, so don't say he didn't finish college because of his disability. Um, and if he knows he wants to be a journalist, why not find him tools for how to be a journalist instead of worrying about, oh, he's never going to make enough money. And if, if you if you are worried about him not having the skills necessary to be successful, why not hire an executive coach to work on those particular skills and, and then take the money that you want to put into an ABLE account or a special needs trust right. and hire a coach right. and help empower him to be an independent, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like he could be incredibly successful. Well, you might want to tell them that I also have a media company. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. That's so funny. I, I think 
I think you advocate so well to keep people independent. And that's what I, I really appreciate about what you do is, you know, we really want people in the least restrictive environment. We don't want to peg them as disabled and say, okay, you're disabled, therefore you can't. And this long list of, I, you know, they can't. I, I like that you give parents the tools, the resources to really give their children every opportunity to live in that least restrictive environment, make decisions for themselves and, and, and have the highest quality of life possible. I, I think we all want that just because someone has a disability does not mean they don't understand what's going on <laughs> or right. that they can't and, make decisions. Right. And, and this is something I'm struggling with because my son's going to be 23 this year. I'm his legal guardian. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, do the best I can not to be dad and, you know, playing the dad card all the time Mm -hmm. while letting him learn how to make his own decisions, have the dignity of failure, right? If you, if you make a mistake and and if it's not going to kill you, don't step in and just, okay, dude, you do you, Uh, but it's hard. It is incredibly hard. Well, Um, I always, I always celebrated my kids failures because I think failures are so important in success. You have to fail in order to have that feeling of failure, but you also have to see the process of getting out of it. You you have to be able to dig your way out of a hole. And that's a huge skill. That's a very important skill to have. So, you know, knowing what you did and how to get out of it is, is invaluable. So I, I really want to thank you for being here today. We're going to take a break here in a couple minutes, but before we go to the break, I would love for you to give you any information that you would like, how, how somebody can contact you. Sure. Thank you, Fazia. The, the easiest way to get in touch with me is email, erica, especially it's navigator.us. You can also get there by going to the true north disability planning.com website. That website will have links to my YouTube channel if you if you like short videos um, where I cover SSI, SSDI, you know, things like that. Most recently, I did a, an overview of the Autism Caregiver Support Act. You know, I, I put those types of videos up on my YouTube channel. I have a podcast, ABCs of Disability Planning, which you mentioned on the intro. There's a link to that on the, on the website. I mean, if you go to the website, you should be able to get to everything and anything that I have from there. Uh, I, love I try it. to make it pretty simple. One-stop shop. I try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's fabulous. So if you have a child who has any kind of uh, challenge that you need some directions, some help with, uh, feel free to go to truenorthdisabilityplanning.com and, and take a look at what Eric has there. Um, it's pretty fabulous. So uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our listeners. Uh, thank you for listening. Without you, we would not have a show, uh, especially for our, our overseas, our international listeners. We're in the U.S., but we have people all over the world and New Zealand and Australia and Europe, specifically, I think, Ireland. And I think in China, we have quite a few listeners, too. So thank you so much, everybody, for, for listening and making our show a part of your day. Uh, if you'd like to be um, on the show sometime, feel free to uh, f- feel free to let me know. And uh, we'll uh, discuss the opportunity to come on the show as a guest. Make sure you go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And on my website, you can access the radio show 
You can access the podcast, our YouTube channel, and our Executive Function Magazine. If you subscribe to the Executive Function Magazine, uh, our next issue goes out July 10th. So make sure you register, I'm sorry, subscribe now so that you can get the next issue. And the first two issues are up on our website. Um, so you can access that as well. Um, so we'll come back after these messages and we will talk more to Eric Jorgensen and we'll talk about um, a variety of ways that you can uh, help support your child who's transitioning from high school. We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fawzia works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. So I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking to Eric Jorgensen. He has a website called truenorthdisabilityplanning.com, and he has a wealth of information on there. So if you have a child who has some challenges, um, feel free to go on there and take a look at what he has to offer. Uh, welcome back, Eric. Thank you, Fazia. This is awesome. I'm loving this. Good. I'm glad. I'm so glad you're here. I, I love that you are sharing so much information with our listeners. You have such a wealth of knowledge. And it's it's really interesting to me because we all think what we're interested in is what everyone else is interested in. And, and we, we think, you know, we have all this knowledge, but we don't realize that nobody else has that same knowledge. And I bet, you know, you have all this knowledge and, and you're probably talk about it. Like it's just, you know, everybody's everyday language and it's not, I've been in the field for years and I'm still learning from you. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for sharing so freely. Um, 
Wow. It's, it's, it's a really a lot of information and, and I'm hoping that our, our listeners really uh, benefit from this. So, um, you know, a lot of times the whole disability planning gets overwhelming for parents and you even talked about it for you. It was overwhelming. How do you recommend parents handle that? Yeah, a little tongue in cheek. It's, you know, one bite at a time, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's true though. I mean, um, so for me, because I, I, it's easiest to speak for what I did because I, I don't know what's going to work for you. Right. Um, for me, I had to stop looking too far out. I had to stop okay. worrying about if my, you know, my wife, when my wife died, my son was 12, turned 13. It didn't make sense for me at that time to worry about what I was going to do when he turned 18. Right. It didn't stop me from worrying immediately. It just you know, I had to, I had to get my head around, look, dude, he's not even in a high school yet. You need to worry about getting him into high school before you start worrying about what's going to happen when he leaves high school. There's a caveat to that where I did have to start having a conversation with the school about, is he going to be on certificate or diploma track? Meaning, is he going to stay in school beyond age 18 or is he going to graduate 18? Academically, it didn't, make sense for him to, for us to try to push him to get out on a, on a diploma. So that kind of took care of itself, but starting to worry about, well, when do I need to apply for SSI? When do, in my case, cause I'm a retired veteran, you know, what do I have to do to, to, is there anything for me to do for him to get any of my benefits? And at the time there wasn't because in 2012, you couldn't leave your survivor benefit plan to your child. In 2016, that law changed. Um, but these are the things that were going through my head. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it led me to analysis paralysis. Like there was just too much for me to think about. I couldn't do anything. So I didn't do, I, I just froze and, and decided not, I didn't do anything at all. Um, after a couple months of that, I'm like, this is just not who I am. You know, I, I've got to figure something out. How can I, what can I do to, to get around this? Well, what I needed to do was I needed to stop worrying about too far in the future and just address the immediate. And once the immediate was addressed, then I could, because I'm not going to stop worrying about it. I was in the Navy. I'm, I'm programmed to think worst case scenario. I was on submarines. We always (laughs) think what happens if, and then what are we going to do about it? But when I, if I focus, when, when I shifted my focus to saying, what does he need to be successful as a freshman in high school? Let me work on that. And then once I get that out of the way, then I can worry about sophomore through senior year or, or what have you. It's, it's really focusing on the short term, but not losing sight of the fact you are going to have to address the longer term stuff. So maybe chunking it down into smaller pieces. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it, <laughs> of, of framing it. Yes. Yes. So it's like a long-term project that you kind of break down into smaller pieces and say, okay, his long-term project, meaning his entire lifespan, but you have to break it down into smaller chunks, like before high school, high school, after high school. Right. And then prioritizing those, right? So Mm -hmm. I would argue risk management and estate planning are critical, even though they're the ones that nobody wants to do. Um, and, And for those listeners who aren't really sure what I'm talking about with risk management. I mean, life insurance, you know, um, life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care, if it's appropriate. But most of us, myself included, are underinsured. When my wife died, she was very underinsured. It just wasn't something we talked about. 
but that's something I feel like families need to do. But speaking as a parent, how do you do that without feeling like you're getting taken advantage of, or you're trying, somebody's just trying to sell you a book of goods. And that's where it comes to, you know, you were saying you have a, a lot of people you, you can give referrals to. Well, reaching out to somebody like you and say, Fazia, I, I don't know anybody that does this. I, I want somebody I can trust, but I, I just don't want to go on Google because I right. have no idea how, you know, you can look at reviews, but reviews could, don't mean anything nowadays. Um, have so your brother write to, the review. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so reaching out to you and saying, Fazia, do you know anybody that, that I could reach out to and, and get some help? Right. Um, you know, and, and that, but that even that part is, is chunking it and saying, maybe I'm not going to try to do my estate plan and get my insurance at the same time. Cause that's a lot, you know, the, the attorney yeah. is going to ask me for all, you know, well, they're probably going to ask you for very similar things. If you're going to a financial advisor, they're going to want to know what, what assets do you have? Meaning what types of accounts do you have? Bank accounts, investment accounts, all of that. They're going to want to know if you're going to an attorney for a special needs trust or an estate plan, they're going to want you to have a list of names for who can help you. Who's going to be the trustee. Well, going back to your chunking analysis, maybe reach out to the attorney you think you want to work with and say, what types of things are you going to be asking me for? Because unfortunately, a lot of attorneys don't have a pre-list of, if you're going to come in, this is what we're going to want. I wish they would. Yeah, what they do is they meet with you and then send you back with your homework. And you're right. It would be much more effective if they just gave you the list up front. Right. And and that's something I'm trying to work on. Um, I want to make a general list. Obviously, it's not going to be appropriate for every state and it's not, or every attorney. But I'm trying to build just a generic, if you're meeting with an attorney, this is the type of thing you need. Because then families can take that chunk and they can say, okay, we're going to make an, let, let's say we're in June now. By August, we want to get our estate plan done. Well, between now and August, let's look at this checklist, get everything we need done. And then when we go to the attorney, we have a, it's probably not going to be everything, but we have a pretty good jump yeah. on what they're going to ask us. Starting so it's not point. like, yeah, so you don't get there and go, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know? Um, so one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people, especially, you know, through COVID and I mean, it's been a rough few years. A lot of people are struggling financially. Yeah. So what do you recommend they do if they can't afford an attorney? That's a little harder um, because special needs trusts are so specialized. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of using NOLO or another um, type of prepaid or, or whatever software. What I'd rather have families do is, is see if there's a pooled trust in your area. If you need a, sp- and, and take a step back, do you even need a special needs trust? You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it does seem to be the, you need a special needs trust seems to be the, the mantra that and you need an able account, but, but maybe you don't, what are you putting into trust? Do you have money? And I mean, I just did a, I did a, a waypoints article, layperson's guide to special needs trust because of this. It's if you don't have a lot of assets, if you don't have a lot, a lot of money that you're, you need to leave, that you're going to be leaving behind to your child, maybe you don't need to worry about a special needs trust because special needs trust can be between three to $6,000 or more. And to your point, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so maybe what you, you want to do is either don't worry about the special needs trust right away or talk to a pool trust, which is a nonprofit. They're run by nonprofits and they 
they take people who they take anybody regardless of how much money you have. So let's say you only have $10,000. I don't want to, I'm not trying to sound derogatory. $10,000 can be a lot of money to families. I certainly don't mean to make light of that. Um, if you have $10,000, you could go to a pooled trust and they, they could manage it for you. You know, and what they'll do is they'll take over the, all the trustee functions and, you know, it's typically a lower cost. I mean, there's still going to be a cost associated but it's typically not going to be the same cost you would be paying a, a professional trustee and a financial advisor and everything else. Um, but the first thing I think I would step, I would start with is if you don't have a lot of money, really, what do you need to have done? Um, you know, I do think most of us as parents need life insurance to provide for our children when we're gone. But if, if we can't get insurance or if we just don't have the money for the premiums, then I don't want us beating ourselves up about it. Do yeah. that self-assessment. Do you have anything that you need that you are leaving to your child that would affect their benefits, their SSI, their, their Medicaid? And the things that affect that are going to be bank accounts, investment accounts. You know, having a house and leaving a house to a child doesn't necessarily affect the benefits. Having a car, leaving a car doesn't affect the benefits. It's really going to be investment accounts, bank accounts, financial types of things like that. Does that? Yeah, like, that makes a lot of weeds or <laughs> no, no, no. I think it makes a lot of sense. So I want to backtrack just a bit and talk about who needs a trust, who needs a special <laughs> needs trust. <laughs> um, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice. It, this is all Eric's opinion. I think if you have a child who's going to be receiving means tested benefits, meaning, like I said, Medicaid, food stamps, housing vouchers, SSI, supplemental security income. And you you want them to have, or you feel that they're going to need more than $2,000 in their name, then they're going to need, probably going to need a special needs trust. Um, and that's going to be different for every family because there's a lot of families out there that don't have special needs trusts. And, you know, the children are doing fine because they're, they're receiving their Medicaid waiver supports. They're, they're, they've got housing because of the Medicaid waiver. They have everything they need. But then there's going to be families that might have higher support needs or maybe they don't qualify for the waiver or they don't get all the supports that they want from the waiver. So they want to provide more. Well, that's going to be a candidate for a special needs trust because that money has to come from somewhere and it can't be in a child's name. Does that help? provide clarification. Thank you. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we clarify that for the listeners. So, because you said, well, they may not even need a trust. Well, so I wanted to clarify that a little bit. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to switch topics a little bit here and and let's talk a little bit about what, uh, you know, can, can the child or should the child do anything uh, for their own future? What, what, what do you recommend from the child's perspective? I'm a huge fan by the, and I hope it comes through from the example I gave you about the the individual who wants to be a journalist. I feel the, the individual with the disability should have as much say as they're, as they're possible as possible. And if you're a parent, that means taking what you think they're capable of and multiplying it by, you know, one and a half percent, because they're probably more capable than you're giving them credit for. 
not again i'm a dad <laughs> no i like that i like that because you're right we tend to kind of talk down to people when they have a disability and we just assume if they can't do x they also can't do y and that's not true right right and it's not even that they can't do x it's maybe they just haven't gotten the right supports to do x yet right so maybe have that discussion you know what do you need what are, what are the needs that you have to help you get where you need to be. Yeah. And then be okay with the fact that the individual may not know. I mean, I have a business coach and there are times where I'm working with her that I don't know what I need Mm -hmm. where I'm just like, I'm I'm like, Barbara, I'm at a wall here. I really don't know what you're asking me. Give me, you know, I need some help. You know, why should, why should individuals with disabilities be any different? If you're saying, well, what can I do to help support you to, you know, to cook, to, to, to live independently better, you know, how do you, how can I help you, you know, get around the kitchen better? Well, that could right. be like asking you to speak Greek. I mean, <laughs> well, you're right. If you've never been in a kitchen, you've never had your own kitchen. How do you know what tools you need? Right. You know, if someone else has always cooked for you, how do you know? How do you know you need right. a spatula? What right. is a spatula? Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. I don't think I still know what a colander is. <laughs> And you will never need to know. It's okay. <laughs> it is not a tool that I, I, I love to cook and I cook every single day. I don't use a colander. Don't know what it is either. <laughs> or maybe I have one and I don't know what it is. <laughs> so there you go. There's some things in life that you just don't need to know and it's Okay. <laughs> What, what, what happens if parents or children don't even know um, if the child's ready to self-advocate? What if, what if the parents, uh, you know, don't feel that the child's ready to advocate? And what if the child doesn't feel like they're ready to advocate? What do you recommend in a situation like that? I would say follow the child's lead, um, but push gently. Uh, I feel like all of us need a little bit of a push, especially because, and this is me speaking from my personal experience, I'm not projecting on anybody. In my household, we did a lot for my son. And he developed what the teacher said was learned dependence. So we had to start pulling back. And it was really hard to pull back because one, it become habit for us doing so much for him. And two, because he, you know, in the beginning, he didn't want us to pull back. Right. So, you know, well, now I wouldn't either. If somebody else did everything <laughs> for me, I'm like, continue. <laughs> right. And and now he's fiercely protective of his independence. And I, I love that about him. Nice. I mean, I, I love how vocal he is and, and how much of a self-advocate he is for himself. But it doesn't happen overnight. And you, you... I think it's two different questions. The first one of what do I tell parents? I tell parents that, you know, have you been drowning your child out? Um, and I, I mean that in the nicest way possible, but I'm a dad. I know, I know I, and many times I'm, I'm guilty of thinking, well, I know what's right for him and maybe I do, but, but that doesn't mean it's his best life. Right. Going back to that dignity of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the child, it's if you've never had a voice, how hard is it going to be for you to, to 
to accept the fact that, that you what you say matters. Well, I, I think it gives you a, a higher quality of life when you can speak to what you want. You know, when you're just taking what someone else gives you, you have no say. You you're just going through the motions. Yeah. And that is not truly a life that's worth living for most people. So I think it's important that they get that say that and and from my perspective, I'm I work a lot on modeling behavior. I always recommend parents model the behavior they want their child to have because our children do what we do. They don't do what we say. So it has to be modeled. And I think it's really important if you want your child to advocate for themselves that you you demonstrate what that looks like. Yeah. And like you allow them to try it out and be okay when they mess it up. You know, celebrate those failures so that you can learn from them and become better the next time you do it. And and let's clarify what a failure is. If somebody walks out with two different pairs of socks because that's what they like, that's not a failure. Not that's, at all. That's- <laughs> You're right. It's not. It's not. <laughs> you know, when my daughter was little, we had a dog. Her name's Molly. Molly the dog. She loved my daughter's my my daughter's going to kill me for this, but her feet smelled so bad. She had a sweating disorder. And so the dog loved her socks and her socks were always in the backyard. She could never find <laughs> shoes that matched. My poor child never wore a pair of matching socks her entire life as a child because the dog always stole her socks. <laughs> and so she's a very successful child. She's an, she's, you know, she's in her third year of medical school. She's 24 years old. She's very successful. Yeah. The socks were not a failure. <laughs> They, 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 they gave us stories in life. Those failures give us stories in life. <laughs> this was <Yeah>. not pre-planned. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and I don't mind telling stories about my kids because my kids did have executive function challenges. My kids did struggle with, you know, they had to have speech therapy. Both my kids are preemies, so they had some challenges, but they're both very successful. Both had full scholarships. And so your child does not have to live that life of, you know, a disability or a shortcoming. You can pull yourself out of that. Yeah. And, and be careful judging their success on your success. Yeah. You know, if you are a successful, high-powered Wall Street lawyer and they want to be a poet, that doesn't mean they're any less successful. Exactly. You know what? Yeah, one quick little story. My my other daughter, she's a writer. She's actually going to journalism school right now, and um, she used to write poetry. And I am not a poet, but she would not let me read it unless I wrote her poetry. And since I never could write poetry, I was never allowed to read hers. She wouldn't That's even. Awesome. She would not let me look at it. But she published it. She just wouldn't let me read it. She's like, no. In order to read my work, you have to share with me. Well, I can't. I don't write poetry. (laughs) So, you know, you just have to take kids where they're at and and you have to embrace their their uniqueness and their individuality and and their shortcomings just need some help and let them blossom where they're at. But I love that you help so many families and you you share so much freely. We've got a couple minutes left. Any last minute advice you'd like to share? I, I 
I guess the one thing I want parents to, to take away from this, if nothing else, is don't be so hard on themselves. They don't have to be perfect. I mean, we're, we're flawed. We're human beings. It's going to get messy. You know, tomorrow's going to be better than today was. You know, it, it just, just be okay with it. Yeah. Life is a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but you know what? When you're in a valley, you're, 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 you're going to go back up. <laughs> yeah. There's nowhere else to yeah. go. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but like a book that got me through when my wife died was Peaks and Valleys. I, I can't yeah. remember the guy's name of it, who the name of the author is, but it was a phenomenal book. And I, yeah. you know, that's awesome. Well, I really want to thank you for sharing your personal story, all your success with this uh, wonderful business. And, and I'm sorry we didn't get to talk more about where your business is going, uh, but you, you've definitely shared a phenomenal amount of information. If you'd like to get in touch with Eric Jorgensen, you can go to truenorthdisabilityplanning.com and you can access all his information um, on that website. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And on that website, you can access our podcast, the radio show, testimonials, as well as our YouTube channel and Executive Function Magazine. Uh, Please go to Executive Function Magazine and subscribe. Once you subscribe, make sure you, uh, you will get an email. Make sure you click on that email so that the subscription is complete. And July 10th is when our next issue comes out. Um, And we've got some phenomenal um, articles. In fact, Eric has written an article for the magazine as well. So if you'd like to read that, make sure you subscribe. He offers some great advice. So we'll see you next time. And thank you again for listening. Without you, we could not do this. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.